Welcome back to Gaming with Gage, your podcast for role-playing games and the periphery. Thanks for being here. And thank you so much for all the feedback from our season premiere. We've been working on it for months now, and so it's been so heartening to see all of your support. If you haven't already, I recommend you join our Discord, where we do all of our interviews, you can chat with the cast, and we occasionally run online gaming sessions. I, for one, look forward to chatting with you. This episode features guest Eric Lamaru, host of the Wild Eye podcast and creator of Forget About It and the upcoming setting Wise Guys. Those of you who are fans of Savage Worlds are probably already very familiar with Eric's work, but he's not only an excellent writer, but a really creative problem solver. Eric was a fantastic guest and can often be found on the official Savage Worlds Facebook group. While you're there, we'd love if you could hop over and like our Facebook page as well. We have so many amazing things planned for this season and we'd hate for you to miss out. As always, we ask that you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And with all that out of the way, let's jump into this chat with Eric Lamoureux. For people at home who do not know who you are, who are you, Eric? <laughs> well, Eric Lamoureux, and I am, well, podcaster, uh, freelance writer, and uh, yeah, I think that's... That's about it for mainly with Savage Worlds right now, but I've, I've written for more generic stuff, uh, system agnostic stuff, and uh, j- just a big, uh, big geek. Yeah, and your podcast is The Wild Eye, which is not so system agnostic. <laughs> no, no, that one is all, only Savage Worlds. So, yeah, we've been going on for three years now, so. I listened to The Wild Die, um, mainly because I, you know, I came into Savage Worlds fandom, loved it, and then wanted more of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's not a whole bunch of podcasts around it. So how did you get started? Were you, were you the original host of The Wild Die, or did you come on later? I came on later. Uh, it started out with uh, Jamie Pearson and uh, his, his buddy Blaine, Blaine Wagner, and... Yeah, but I think episode five, they invited me on to the show, and then Blaine had to leave for work, so I sort of took his place, and a couple months later, Jamie Wall was ready to move on and to other things, and he asked me if I wanted to take it, take over, and I had to, I had to think about it, but I decided, yeah, why not? Let's do that. That'd be fun. And uh, yeah, it's been two years now since I took over the show brought in a couple a couple more co-hosts to help me uh, make this possible and i wouldn't be able to do it without them so uh big shout out to them uh gary harrison and at first it was also uh nick uh, and uh, manuel now we have paris on the show seasonal co-hosts <laughs> Paris is one of those people I very much enjoy, no matter how much I disagree with everything that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, he, he's been a good addition to the show because while Harrison and Gary are kind of the clowns, and at <laughs> uh, one point I had Manuel to help me out being a bit, a bit more serious and informative. So like, Paris has taken that spot, and we, we get along with him. We like him, and yeah, we get a lot of feedback listeners really enjoy his input so and then in terms of writing i think the thing i at least know you for is wise guys well the the thing is it's not even out yet so i mean we have a we have a demo uh i think what i'm most 
well, famous is a big word, but uh, <laughs> what I'm the most known for is is forget about it, which is the mini scenario that started started me on this quest of, of wise guys. That's probably the one I'm the most known for. I wrote that over two years ago, and it's, you see all these people with actual plays and running it, and how much they enjoy it. So that that's basically what told me that people wanted more uh, and that's why I started writing that started writing it uh, May 2017 and here we are uh, a year and a half later uh, still working <laughs> on it and now with the new edition of Savage Worlds well that's basically why it's not out yet because we have to wait still and see what what those changes are. So because we want the the setting obviously to be compatible with the latest version of Savage Worlds, so that that makes sense. I think I think of forget about it as just part of Wise Guys now, but I forgot that they're technically two separate things. <laughs> yeah, I mean this the setting is is a bit different the era, but yeah, still the same spirit. Um, and for people at home who don't know, I mean, I mean, the basic, obviously, like when you hear forget about it, it's probably easy to pick up that it's mobsters, but um, both that original adventure and kind of like the setting you're working on, do you want to take a second just to kind of explain that to people who aren't in the know? Absolutely. So forget about it is, is uh, one shot sandbox type of adventure, really open. And it takes place in Vegas in 1968. And back then, um, you couldn't commit murder uh, within the city limits. So it was bad for business. So for this adventure, you start out with, uh, well, someone in the trunk of your car, and you have to take it from point A to point B. And the this the scenario is basically what happens between point A to point B. And you, yes, you're part of the mob, the American mob. So it plays on the stereotypes quite a bit. You know, the it's basically five Joe Pesci characters stuck in a car in the desert and it's hot and they have little secrets, little things that they have to work out between each other. So that that's that's what makes it interesting. Wise Guys is is a bit um, it's a bit different in the sense that it's it's more like the movie Casino meets Pulp Fiction. So <laughs> um, it takes place in the mid 90s. And during my research for on the American mob, I discovered that, yeah, they, they do have associates. So they're not Italian. They're not Italian males. They're just criminals that happen to work for, for the mob that are, can earn money for the mob. So that opened up a lot more possibilities where, where you're looking for more diverse characters that you can play so it's not just five joe pesci stuck <laughs> in a car you can be uh can be a circus performer that's good at uh you know breaking into vaults <laughs> casino vaults and yeah the movie oceans 11 was major inspiration for wise guys so well one of the best descriptions that i can say is that it it, it starts out when you play it it starts out as a cool episode of let, let's say there was an Ocean's Eleven TV series, but by the, the middle of it, it turns into America's uh, most wanted <laughs> or worst criminals. You know, uh, it's the fun part of it. It doesn't take itself too seriously. 
Uh, but but the characters are very, very diverse and it, it makes for a fun experience. I've been playtesting for over a year now and every time it's a blast and even running the same scenario, it doesn't uh, turn out, work out the same way uh, each time. So it's different every time. So yeah, that that's basically it. It's also a toolkit for organized crime um, for Savage Worlds. So I, I'm a big fan of books for Savage Worlds like uh, Agents of Oblivion or Codex Infernus, Savage Guide to Hell, where yes, there's a setting in there, but there's also a bunch of tools for the GMs and, and groups to make uh, to make their own campaigns. And in this case, well, it's to have a campaign where the players and their characters characters are part of uh, organized crime so it, you can you could run uh, breaking bad you could run uh, crime syndicate in space you could ri- uh, run sons of I- anarchy if you wanted to so it's it's all about the the edges hindrances and setting rules that you need to run that type of campaign the first time I think I heard your name, obviously, was about Forget About It. And I remember being like, that's such a cool concept. I will say that when you just started to say a toolkit for organized crime in Savage Worlds, before you said the in Savage Worlds part, I was like, Eric, are you creating a blueprint for us to go create our own mobs? <laughs> not saying I'm not going to buy it, but... Well, I, I mean, it, there is a lot of f- what people call fluff in this book. So uh, in a sense, you it could go beyond Savage Worlds, but there's also a bunch of mechanics as well. So in, in that case, it's for Savage Worlds exclusively right now. So how did you get into this crazy world, this crazy hobby we all reside in? Like, how did you get into gaming? And then how did you get into writing and podcasting? Like, what's that journey like for you? <laughs> Uh, well, would you be disappointed if, if I said it wasn't with the D&D red box? <laughs> you know who I just <laughs> talked to uh, last night or yesterday afternoon was uh, Clint Black. Um, and he did have oh, yeah. the classic, uh, I started with the red box. Don't don't worry, I, I didn't start playing until like four years ago. Just don't tell people. Uh, well, it was it was the, the mid-80s for me. And uh, well, I was just a kid. I was reading a lot of books, even at, at that age. And back then, the choose your own adventure books were were really big. And while growing up uh, in Montreal, Canada, I spoke only French, so all these books were all in French, uh, which I was grateful for. <laughs> I, I didn't know they existed in other languages, so. Uh, so yeah, I, w- I was big into that, and one day I, I rented one because I'd go to the library to w- uh, to rent them, and I rented one, and it was the Dark Eye, which is a German RPG that was recently translated to English, uh, what two years ago, or something like that. Uh, it's quite recent, but back then they had the the French translation, and I, it's sort of by mistake because I didn't know that what I was the the, the book I was taking was was an rpg i couldn't play it by myself i couldn't figure out uh, how am i gonna read this choose your own adventure book and they're <laughs> talking about the game master and dungeon master that type of thing and i had no idea but my cousin he was a little bit older than me like a year and a half and he he knew what it was so we started playing it and it was mostly one-on-one or sometimes with my brother and then a year or two later, he got the, the Warhammer 
first edition book uh, that was end of the 80s and we played that for years and then yeah i got got into a bunch of uh, other games but yeah dnd didn't come into my radar until early 2000s when i discovered that rpgs were on the internet (laughs) (laughs) i had a computer so i'm looking that up and i was still looking for advanced dungeons dungeons and dragons and by that time it was 3.5 i read that and then moved on to uh uh, 3.5 4e and then it was savage worlds in 2008 something like that played a bunch of games uh, in the 90s of course it was the storyteller system the vampire and werewolves and all these games so that i played a lot of that i played a lot of games from europe to uh in french i mean everything was more expensive in montreal because there <laughs> were no local companies that made these games so they had to be imported from the u.s and translated in french for me to be able to play them when when i first started or they had to be imported from france yeah this is still same thing they were expensive <laughs> so uh, we played a couple and uh, tsr's uh, marvel game we played a lot of that too we loved that game but uh yeah, no, no D&D. So every time people uh, talk about, you know, the, how they started with D&D and uh, how it molded who they are as a gamer, I, I, I feel left out because uh, I didn't get to share that part. So I came to the hobby later, partially because I think I'm younger than a lot of the key figures in the hobby. And also just because I didn't have friends. You know, I had like a couple of friends here and there growing up and I always knew that D&D was something I would want to do and you know I play I've read like the Dragonlance books and I was all very much primed mm-hmm. for it like you know friends of mine went around and picked up a scrap of wood on trash day and made swords and shields and fought in the backyards like idiots <laughs> but it wasn't until I was like 21 22 I moved in with this guy who was a DM and I was like yes no I've wanted to play this for a very long time <laughs> um, so I kind of did a, a crash course and kind of jumped in feet first. So there are people who are like, oh, well, you know, like, uh, you know, an AD&D. And like, there seems to be like almost like a pedigree, like with college sports coaches. Yeah. <laughs> when people talk about like the, the way they came up in gaming and it's like, uh, I have no idea what you're saying, but I do know what fun is. <laughs> yeah, you, it's like, like you have to show your stripes, right? And yeah, there's nostalgia about this. And I mean, back then, you didn't say old school or OSR that didn't exist. It was only basically one way of playing until, you know, a storyteller system happened. And, and that that opened a lot of doors, I think, to different types of gaming. But I like to keep up with, you know, the, the latest, what's coming out. And I like to learn systems because, well, that that's how I came to love Savage Worlds. So I'm I'm thinking one day I'll find another one that, that will like even better. So plus it, it helps as a designer to understand how others have designed their own games. So, I mean, it's a passion of mine. I look at all my friends and family that I used to game with back in the late 80s and 90s, and they've all moved on. I'm the only one who's still interested in, into this hobby. So, <laughs> yeah, that makes me a geek, a nerd. Call me whatever you want. 
<laughs> I wonder what people's experiences are like outside the U.S. Because I think a lot of times when we talk about gaming, it's a very United States centric view. But I had Aran on from up to four players, which I'm sure you're fam- somewhat familiar with at least. Oh yeah, yeah. And he said, like in Israel, when the storyteller stuff came out, it was like it changed the way that they played oh yeah uh completely and like that's kind of what you're saying too and it's like but i hear of some people who they they picture i feel like in the u.s it became more of like it was more of like a thing people did and then they came back and you know he was saying that it completely changed the way they play yeah i mean different countries have access to different games we uh, yeah, Manuel uh, as a co-host, and for them in Germany it was Shadowrun or The Dark Eye. Th- those were the main two. D and D wasn't even as big, uh, but yeah, in the U.S. it's yeah, it's D and D, and now you have new movements like uh, Powered by the Apocalypse, all the little indie games, and you have the OSR movement and. Uh, a lot of things are happening. I mean, you look at a site like uh, Drive Through RPG or RPG Now. Th- this opened so many doors. I mean, without this, uh, I wouldn't be writing for anybody without that site because that's how all these <laughs> small indie publishers can. They have their own marketplace now. <laughs> Something that that was unthinkable maybe just ten years ago, ten fifteen years ago, or when I was younger, and I was thinking how cool it would be to to be able to write in the industry, but having no idea how to go about it. Now, with this, it's basically anybody can do it. <laughs> I mean, you you just have to to work how hard at it. It's not easy, but you know yeah you just do it you you don't have any excuses really oh yeah and now as savage worlds people especially with the new uh, adventures guild coming out it's even it's even easier the the barrier to entry is even lower come you know this episode will come out in december so probably right around the time you're hearing this <laughs> yeah i mean there's that there's a dm skill there's a storyteller uh, vault there's one for cypher also and i'm sure a bunch of other uh, systems will do it too so you know you you can uh, there's a way for you and all the blogs i mean a lot of people get discovered just from their blogs you, you can put your stuff out there and that's kind of like your your resume and hey look what i can do you know Uh, before you know back in the day it was all magazines and i didn't have money for that i'd i'd have my christmas money once a year to go to the store and buy a couple books and then family and friends would lose me for a couple weeks because that's all i did (laughs) from from the ride back home in the car i'd have my nose buried in the book and i'd be reading it for weeks so yeah, good times. <laughs> now I've got a stack of um, uh, I don't know how many to read that I need to catch up on. So, are they in French or English? Oh, uh, now now I, I I do all my my reading and my gaming in English. Uh, I've been living in the states now for fifteen years, and I only get to speak French maybe once or twice a year. So even though my my English isn't uh, perfect, it. it at this point, it's better than my French. If it was to, if I were to have to write some, uh, write a book in French, RPG book, eh, I don't know if I could do it right now. That, that, that'd be scary. But yeah, I still have old books in French here on, on my shelf from, you know, you know Rollmaster and um, 
Middle Earth role playing. The the books were in French and nostalgia again. Do you have Nephilim? No, I don't have that one, but I have the uh, the original in nomine and uh, Magna Veritas, which is the. I mean, Steve Jackson Games uh, translated the book, but it was more of an adaptation. It didn't have quite the same uh, tone because <laughs> I, I don't think the U.S. would tolerate a book like that because it was. It was <laughs> It wasn't politically politically correct at all, but yeah, we played that game for years, and uh, and uh, I think Nephilim was like an extension from later of of this game, which is more serious, I think, than in Nomine, which was was crazy. It was it was political. <laughs> it was there was this short story in the book. That's when pretty much every RPG book had these short stories to start each chapter and it was the story of the uh, puppeteer and he you know they're explaining how he makes his puppet and all that and at the end you find out that the puppet was actually a child a dead child so that's it's something that you wouldn't you wouldn't see here in the states <laughs> it, it's very it, dark it would be tolerated yeah that's not kosher <laughs> I will say, if you had not told me, and as someone who like listens to your podcast and has heard your voice quite a bit, if you had not told me that French was your first language, um, I would never have guessed that you are not a natural-born English speaker. You have a very good, yeah, like you're, like you said, oh, it's, it made me, it's not the best, but I, I honestly, you sound like you were born in the U.S. and grew up speaking English to me. Uh, well, thank you. Do you hear that, Gary? Gary makes fun <laughs> of my English all the time, so. You have some words that you pronounce weird, but it's gaming, and everyone has words that they pronounce weird. Yeah. I may or may not have said Coupe de Grace for a while, um, <laughs> a problem you probably wouldn't have made. Yeah, I have the problem of I went to French class in middle school um, with the name uh, Gage Michel Varinau, and so my French teacher was assumed quite a bit and started talking to me very, very quickly in French, and I was like, je ne sais pas what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true it's a very french name that you have yeah my, me and my brothers all do jean-paul Andre gerard and gage michel we just my dad and i just took a dna test turns out we're not that french oh. <laughs> so when you decided to and I, i'm not going to keep you too too much longer but when you decided to uh like sit down and start writing games uh what what was that process like? Like, why did you pick Savage Worlds? We can focus on that. Forget about it if you want. Like, what was it about uh, Savage Worlds and that story and writing for gaming in general that caught your attention? Well, uh, I think my first first thing I ever ever wrote for for anything, yeah, it was for Savage Worlds. It was uh, Savage Insider. Uh, it's a magazine. Yeah, I wrote an article. It was quite terrible, but uh, <laughs> that was me jumping uh, both feet. My wife and her son uh, told me, well, you're always, you know, reading that stuff. You're always playing these games. Why don't you write for it? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so. It's not that I had to make a deal with them, but I basically told them, you know, if, if I'm going to do this, I'm it's going to take some of my time away, uh, time that I won't be spending with you guys. And they were cool with it. They were really supportive. So I decided, uh, yeah, I wrote that. And then after that, uh, Fabled Environments, they're running a Kickstarter right now while it's going to be in 
December that episode, but <laughs> right now for Olympus Sync, uh, Fable Environment, uh, Charles White, he was running a contest, I think it was in 2014 or 2015. So there was a gap of years there where I didn't publish anything or wrote anything. I had a blog going on and I figured I'd practice like that, just my writing in general. And a guy like uh, Tommy Brownell, who's got the most unread blog internet blog ever that's how he got into the the hobby into the the industry he started with a blog reviews and then you know he was asked to to write some stuff so i i thought it'd be a good entry level but anyway charles white with another uh savage worlds podcast back then uh the savage bloggers network they had a, a small a short like t- 15 20 minutes uh, podcast and they were running a contest uh, you had to submit an adventure idea and then you could win uh, all of fables environment their all their maps so i submitted my idea they they loved it and then they asked me do you want to write it for us and I, yeah sure i'll do it and there was like three winners and i was the only one who actually went through with it and uh, wrote the adventure, started out with that, and then at the same time, I was friends with uh, Mornay Scott, who's the, the founder of Just Insert Imagination. I was quite curious because that guy sort of came out of nowhere. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If if I've never heard of that guy, and he's he's on Indiegogo trying to crowdfund his Winter Eternal. How did he do it? So I started talking to him, asking him questions, and we basically became best friends. We talk to each other every day now. Uh, it's been for over three years. And at some point, he's like, well, I sort of asked him, I say, hey, I, I could help you. Went from that to, you know, writing Forget About It, uh, which wasn't the first thing I wrote for Just Insert Imagination. Uh, we started out with the uh, plug and play, which were system agnostic aids. It's just like a, a location that you can use in any game, and it comes with a map. It comes with uh, random tables of stuff that can happen in, in that location, characters, uh story seeds that type of thing and then that was the foundations to the the whole plug and play adventures that we have uh you know forget about it It was the first one the idea basically is to have a whole adventure that you can fit inside your gm screen and then it comes with handouts because people love handouts they do Uh, it comes with pre-gen pre-generated characters so you know that you've got one guy that can't show up for a game one night uh what do we do do we still play that game or we play something else well let's let's download one of their plug-in plays we have almost 10 of them right now and they're all one-shot adventures that you can run drop of a, a hat like that so and then i helped them with winter eternal he was releasing the adventure guides so more, more information about winter eternal on other stuff too i did some more freelance for a bunch of other uh publishers for savage worlds and the reason i write for savage worlds is because it's the system i know best i know other systems and uh, I'd like to write for these systems at some point, but you know, it's just the one I'm the most familiar with and comfortable with at this point. That was a very, very like complete answer. 
That's always nice when I can just <laughs> ask a question and get like a complete answer and not have to stress or like pull a muscle <laughs> trying to whip answers well, I, out. Like you said, I you know I have my own podcast and sometimes you ask question and it's like pulling teeth, right? <laughs> you, so I like to yeah, you get me started and I won't shut up. So you know, is there anything? Well, let me let me end with this. I didn't do this with Clint, which is bad, but it's something I did. I usually do. If you had one piece of advice for people who are looking at what you're doing, whether that be the Wild Eye podcast, whether that be you know the the stuff that you're writing and building, uh, if you had one piece of advice for them, what would it be? Well, yeah, one piece. I would say stop. Well, it's basically the same advice that Ed Wetterman, uh, writer of ETU. Uh, gave us on the show on the wild eye a couple years ago says if you're gonna write just just write (laughs) so basically stop finding excuses not to do what you want to do it's a matter of uh, your priorities if you want it bad enough you're gonna make time for it if it's for writing then the advice I'd say it's uh, it comes from uh, Wiggy Paul Wade Williams, the writer of Hal Frost, and basically half of the Savage Rules material prior <laughs> to 2008. He says write every day, and even I can't keep up with that. Can keep that promise, <laughs> but even if you're just gonna write like a sentence, or even just take uh, some notes, a uh, couple words. Uh, because uh, once you get away from writing every day, it's very difficult to get back to it. So put some time aside, even if it's just 15 minutes a day, and ju- just write something or just stare at a blank page for 15 minutes. But, it, you know, th- there's a reason that these guys are, you know, Shane and Clint and uh, Wiggy and John Wick and uh, Sean Patrick Fannin and all these guys, these famous designers there's a reason they're there they're not smarter than you are they're not more talented than you are or maybe some of them are i don't know but what (laughs) they have and that most of us don't have is the uh the discipline to sit down and actually get it done Uh, because most of them don't do that uh full time i mean there's a couple that do but um, most of them don't, and they they have a family, they have a job just like you, but they still set time aside for doing that. And yeah, one thing I found out writing Wise Guys, and I know that's more than one advice right now, and this isn't really <laughs> an advice, but uh, what I'm what I found out while writing Wise Guys is that my gaming had to suffer because there's only so many hours in a day, right? So if you want to get that done, then there's less time to prep your next session or your campaign, and there's less time to play. For the last year and a half now, (laughs) I haven't gamed as much as I used to, so I'm looking forward to get that done so I can maybe take a few months off and get back to gaming because that's what we love, right? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Eric. This was such a treat. This was such a pleasure. I'm glad I got a chance to like actually sit down and chat with you. Likewise. I mean, we've sort of crossed path on, on Facebook, but uh, to actually sit down with you and have a chat, uh, it was great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gaming with Gage. 
If you have ideas for upcoming guests, want to chat with the cast, or a chance to play in some of our games, you can find our Discord link in the show notes. You can also find the show at facebook.com slash gamingwithgage, and on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at GamingWGage. Your support makes this show a reality week after week. One of the best ways to help out is to leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We read all of them, and sometimes we even read them on the air. We look forward to hearing from each and every one of you, but until then, we'll see you next week.